Welcome back to the fourth episode of The Whiskey Reporter. I am your host, Steve Kerr. For any of your friends that have not yet found the show, you can tell them that they can find it on most podcast apps such as Apple, Google, Amazon, and Spotify. I'm also happy to announce that going forward, I'll be recording a video segment entitled Inside the Glass, where I sit down, taste, and go over the whiskeys I feature on each podcast and post them to my YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, type in The Whiskey Reporter, and you will find those videos there. For my local friends in the Frederick, Maryland, and surrounding area, I'm also happy to announce that this show now has a sponsor. Beckley's Country Store is your place for beer, wine, and liquor, featuring everyday low prices that can't be beat. Special orders are welcome. Trust me, they've ordered a number of special bottles for me. They will for you as well. If you're in the area or passing through and are looking for that special bottle of whiskey, wine, or beer, stop by Beckley's, located just off the south side of Route 15 on Willow Road. You'll be glad you did. Today we head to the Highlands of Scotland to discuss what many claim to be Scotland's favorite single malt whiskey. Founded in 1843 by William Matheson, Glenmorangie Distillery resides within the township of Tain, a royal burgh and parish in the county of Ross in the highlands of Scotland. The name Glenmorangie is a Gaelic term, meaning Vale of Tranquility, a befitting title for a distillery that sits just off the banks of the peaceful and serene southern shores of the Dornoch Firth. They produce some of the finest and most delicate whiskies in the world, attributing much of their success to their copper stills, which are the tallest in Scotland, standing at 26 feet in total, with 16-foot, 10-inch necks. When Matheson purchased the Marangie Farm, as it was known back in the time, it had already had a small brewery on it, and when he obtained a license, he quickly converted it into a distillery. For the first 40 years, Matheson was able to produce about 20,000 gallons a year, and given the dilapidated state of his buildings and the equipment and the rudimentary way that he went about producing his whiskey, that type of volume was extremely impressive. In fact, it wasn't until the late 1880s that the distillery started to gain traction and became popular outside of the town and surrounding area. When the Victorian whiskey writer, Alfred Bernard, toured the distillery, and discovered the astounding quality of its whiskey. The distillery soon gained attention from all over Scotland and England, and whiskey sales soared as a result, which couldn't have come at a better time for Matheson, who was then able to take those profits and invest into the distillery's much-needed renovations before the distillery fell apart altogether. In 1887, he promptly founded the Glenmorangie Distillery Company. In 1918, the distillery was eventually sold to a firm of blenders from Leith. McDonald and Muir were their names, paying £74,000, and they invested heavily into the distillery. They increased production by a third at that time to 100,000 gallons a year. However, like most around the world, the Wall Street crash of 1929 crippled the distillery, and by 1931, production ceased for five years. But as the years went on, prohibition was abolished, and with the Depression ending due to World War II, the distillery would soon find life again. And by 1948, Glenmorangie was back on the map and was running operations at full capacity. During that time, nearly 80% of all whiskey produced was being shipped to the United States, mainly because of the blends that McDonald and Muir 
known as the M&M brand, were producing. But in 1970, the brand switched gears a bit and began focusing more on its production of single malt, and the rest, as they say, is history. They created a classic within the scotch industry, a unique combination of the shape and size of the stills, married with a type of wood used to age the whiskey. Now, Glenmorangie is widely known for the long necks of their stills, as I mentioned previously. So what does that mean? Well, the height of the neck means that there is a long contact time between the vapor and copper, which helps to produce a lighter, more fragrant spirit. Now, going off that same mentality, a still with a shorter neck is more likely to make a heavier spirit. How is that done exactly? Well, if you're able to take a piece of copper, examine it under a microscope, you'd notice its surface would look a lot like a Brillo pad. This rutted surface then snags the heavier compounds in the vapor, thus allowing the lighter ones to continue upwards. And also, as a bit of a side note, copper is used in making these stills because of its malleability, meaning it can be worked into shape easily. Okay, so Glenmorangie has these long necks, which help create a wonderfully light and floral spirit. They then take that spirit and age it in American white oak. Now, American white oak has qualities that go with what Glenmorangie is trying to exhibit in their whiskey. It has notes of soft vanilla, coconut, and light spice. Wonderful notes that will go into the spirit as it ages. Now, this is all that Glenmorangie did for a long, long time. And as time went on, they were becoming a bit of a one-trick pony, so to speak, in the whiskey industry. What did they do? They went out of their comfort zone and began to finish some of their whiskey in export Madeira and sherry casks. This really helped the brand branch out and add new flavors and tasting dimensions to their whiskey. The end result is a lineup of wonderfully balanced and aromatically pleasing spirits. They discovered and pioneered, really, the great art of finishing whiskey in a second barrel to create a vast variety of expressions. In 2004, they were purchased by the French drinks company Moet Hennessy Louis Vuitton for 300 million pounds. The new ownership company rebranded the distillery's production line, featuring a new look bottle and new names for their wood finished whiskies such as the Quinta Rubin, Nectar d'Or, and La Santa. Today, Glenmorangie is the best selling single malt in Scotland and produces around 10 million bottles a year. They are one of the big boys in the Scotch industry but their quality has stayed remarkably consistent, which is a hard thing to do once you get to a certain production size. The whole quality over quantity dilemma. But they have managed to find that balance, which is a testament to the company and to the people who helped to produce the whiskey. One person of note is their master distiller, Dr. Bill Lumsden, who works tirelessly to continue to deliver the consistency of their staple whiskeys as well as venturing into the undiscovered waters of new whiskey creation, one of which I'll be tasting today. Okay, that was a little bio about Glenmorangie. It's time that we go inside the glass and discuss the tasting notes for the two whiskeys that I have selected for us today, the Glenmorangie 10-year-old single malt and the special release of their A Tale of Cake. First, the Glenmorangie 10-year. This single malt is the basis for the core series of whiskies that Glenmorangie produces. 
It's delightfully elegant and well-balanced and sets the standard by which everything else is done at Glamorgie. It's bottled at 43%, matured in a combination of first and second fill American white oak casks for 10 years. On the nose, I get notes of vanilla, toffee, honeyed fruit, think honeyed orange, a hint of lemon, lemon custard, maybe a faint hint of butter. For the palate, sweet buttery malt, oak, honey, sweet banana, sweet spices, and there's a dash of orange zest in there as well. The finish, the honeyed fruit and oak linger for a couple of seconds before leaving you with a dry and clean finish. My final thought on this Glamorgie tenure is that it's a wonderful whiskey for the price. It sells for about 30 US dollars and is readily available at most, if not all, liquor stores. It's not going to win any awards for its complexity, but that's not what its purpose is. It's a great whiskey for its quality at an unbeatable price that's sure to please just about everyone. I recommend always keeping a bottle on your shelves as a great go-to everyday whiskey. So that was the Glen Marangie 10 year. Now it's time that we go to our second bottle that I'll be tasting for us today, the Glen Marangie A Tale of Cake. This special release whiskey is another wonderful creation by their director, Dr. Bill Lumsden, whose inspiration behind crafting this whiskey centered around his joyful memories of baking cake with his grandmother as a youth, and now presently with his daughter. And one of his daughter's favorite cakes to bake is pineapple upside down cake. And so he wanted to take those memories and the aromas and the marvelous flavors associated with cake and create a whiskey that would capture that same essence. Let's see if he was successful. This single malt is bottled at 46%, using first fill bourbon barrels and finished in Tokai wine casks. Tokai wine comes from the northeastern region of Hungary and is widely known for its luscious sweetness and is used by most as a dessert wine. An interesting choice for finishing a whiskey, but one that pays off. The nose this whiskey has a nose that just reaches out and grabs you. I'm getting vanilla cake soaked in heavy cream, butterscotch, pineapple, cake batter, barley sugar, and that's just on the first encounter. If you have the time, set this whiskey aside, and if you go back to it after a little while, you'll start to get notes of wildflower honey, apricots, vanilla pudding, and a slight note of orange. On the palate, we get creamy vanilla cake, ripe pineapple, brown sugar, and orange. On the finish, it is long and spicy, with white pepper, a bit of nuttiness about it, and a warm honeyed sweetness. For all cake and dessert lovers out there, this is definitely the whiskey for you. A perfect after-dinner whiskey which pairs well with what else? Cake, of course. Now, I wouldn't place this whiskey in the stratosphere of must-buy territory. It's definitely a step up from the 10 in terms of its complexity and delivery. If you're a dessert lover, this should be a definite buy. If you're a whiskey lover who wants a whiskey on the sweeter side, this is one for you as well. I bought two bottles of this, one to drink now and one to store away for later. I suggest you do the same. Most of you tuning in won't be disappointed. This whiskey delivers in a big way. That'll do it for my tasting notes. 
It's now time for the Whiskey Tip for the Week. This week's Whiskey Tip has to do with how to conduct a proper tasting. As I mentioned in a prior episode, you want to first start out with a tulip-shaped glass. Those are perfect for nosing your whiskey. A tulip-shaped glass creates that narrow neck, which allows you to smell the aromas of the spirit in a more concentrated fashion. But once the whiskey is in the glass, where do you go from there? I like to start by swirling the whiskey a few times once in the belly of the glass. By doing this, giving it a couple of vigorous laps around the inside of the glass allows the whiskey to wake itself up. Think of it as an alarm clock for the spirit. Once it's awoken from its slumber, take the glass and begin to place your nose ever so slightly inside the top of the glass. Take a few pronounced breaths, thus allowing the aroma to waft into the nostrils and passing over the nasal glands, which will then stimulate those delicately refined nerve cells and send the information to the brain when then the aromas are then identified. I like to repeat this a couple of times, going back and forth between the right and left nostrils to allow the entire nose to take everything in. Once you've nosed the whiskey a few times, taking a mental inventory of what you're smelling, it's then time to taste. Now, tasting your whiskey requires a bit of cooperation with your nose. So with your nose still over the glass, take a long inhale. Hold that breath and then open your mouth and take a sip. But don't swallow just yet. Before exhaling, swish the whiskey around in your mouth a few times and really allow your taste buds and olfactory nerves to explore the spirit together. This should allow you to get a better feel for the whiskey and what characteristics it's exhibiting, from its flavor to its texture. Once the whiskey is, spend a few elongated seconds in your mouth, swallow, and then exhale. And what you should be left with is a distinct finish still stirring in the back of the throat most likely then leaving your taste buds and olfactory nerves wanting more. Repeat this process every time you decide to have a new dram or one that you haven't tasted in a while. And you'll not only be doing the whiskey a great service by tasting it in a manner befitting its quality, but you as well, allowing your senses to experience the spirit the way it was intended. And that has been your whiskey tip for the week. On to the final segment of our show. It's time for whiskey news from around the world. Barley exploration has always been a mission at the Brooklady Distillery, and their recent 2012 vintage release of homegrown Isla Barley upholds that tradition. This new release, Single Malt, features a 2011 crop of barley grown by eight local farmers, which was dried and then distilled in 2012. It is matured in a combination of 75% first fill American whiskey casks and the remaining 25% from French wine casks, aged a minimum of eight years. As Brook Laddie's head distiller, Adam Hannett, has said, The components at work in this whiskey come together to tell the story of where this whiskey is from. It speaks of its place in the world with 
Honesty and Openness, Isla Grown Barley, Isla Distillation, and Isla Maturation. There's honesty and pride at the heart of this single malt, end quote. This new release packs a 50% ABV and is slated to be released later this month, so be on the lookout for it. Scott's Whiskey, the Whiskey Magazine Annual, has just been released. This 132-page bookazine, as they're calling it, includes features on a few distilleries such as Highland Park and McAllen, in-depth interviews, more than 100 blind tasting reviews of the latest whiskeys, and much, much more. It's available in print or digital. Just go to whiskeymag.imbmsubscriptions.com. Elsewhere, Shivas Brothers has announced its 2020 Distillery Reserve Collection featuring 48 new single casks, giving whiskey drinkers and connoisseurs the opportunity to discover, sample, and collect unique malts from the heart of the Speyside region. This collection features a wide range of whiskeys from 4 to 29 years of age from Shivas Brothers' 13 Scottish single malt distilleries, including the Glenlivet, Strathisla, and Aberlour. This full distillery reserve collection is now available for purchase. Go to the web address www.maltwhiskeydistilleries.com for more information. Lastly in news, the Whiskey Exchange presents a virtual whiskey show, Old and Rare Masterclasses, coming later this month. This will be a series of live stream masterclasses on Facebook, February 25th through the 27th. The event is free to watch, but there is a tasting pack available for purchase for those who wish to follow along with the host via Zoom. The tasting sets will feature old and rare whiskeys rarely seen open. If you're interested in grabbing a pack, go to thewhiskeyexchange.com for more information or search for them on Facebook under the name The Whiskey Exchange. That's going to wrap things up for the show. For any questions or thoughts, you can reach me via the email address thewhiskeyreporter at gmail.com. You can also listen to the show on most podcast hosting apps such as Apple, Google, Amazon, and Spotify. Remember, tastings of the whiskeys that I feature on this show are now going to be available on YouTube. Please, if you like the show, spread the word to your friends and give it a like and subscribe. Next week, I'll be staying in the Highlands of Scotland to feature one of my top five favorite distilleries and neighbor to the Glenmorangie, the Balblair Distillery. I have two whiskeys of theirs lined up to discuss with you that I think you're going to love. I know I do. Until then, please enjoy your whiskey responsibly. Don't imbibe and drive. This is Steve Kerr. Thanks for tuning in to the Whiskey Reporter. Cheers. Cheers.